podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The return of football is always worth celebrating and Beer 52 are generously offering free beer to you while watching your team from the comfort of your home. They are offering eight craft beers, eight, eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet for free on the entire planet. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash whistle. That's www.beer52, the numbers 52.com slash whistle. And just cover the £5.95 for the postage. That's it. Just cover the postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. Every month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, and all over the USA and Europe. You'll notice the themes, though, they, they are always just beer. Not really a theme, is it? I don't know. But beers from different places. That's a bit of fun. As an independent British company, Beer52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene, which they continue to support during this difficult, unprecedented period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option, and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine, Ferment. And a tasty snack. Don't worry, though. If you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com forward slash whistle to get your first case of eight beers for £5.95. That's beer52, beer52.com forward slash whistle. And this is true We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging In fact, we'll take it seriously We're only bugging Welcome to the Whistleblowers Podcast. Now, the first round of fixtures has been and gone, and for some, it's been an exhilarating, bright, spectacular start to the season. For others, it's been a short, sharp shock, and a reminder that actually football is awful and painful and not really worth putting yourself through. So with that in mind, welcome to the show where we talk about football. Uh, I'm Mark Smith. I'm your host. Martin Gritton isn't here this week. He's up in uh, he's up in Derby, actually. God's own country. My hometown, famously. Um, he's not available tonight. It's not because of the lack of internet. There is internet in Derby before you kick off. Um, it's not that. It's other reasons, undisclosed reasons. So instead, we've got a voice you may recognise. Uh, you may have heard him on <laughs> TalkSport International, if you've been lucky enough to be at this country, but also listening to TalkSport. He commentates for that. He's on Sirius XM FC, which is an American show. He does that with uh, Rodney Marsh, uh, others. He'll talk me through it in a minute. Uh, and also you can hear him on The Week in the Tackle. It's a podcast with Brian Dunseth. He's a good lad, a good all-round egg, a big West Ham fan. It's Tom Rennie. Hello, Tom Rennie. What a billing. That was great. What else can I tell you about myself? I feel like I'm on like blind date. You're telling a lot of things about me. Like yeah. he's, tell me he's three six things. Tall, tell me he's 35 three years of you. age and his perfect Sunday is a walk in the park with the dog. Yeah, lovely stuff. That is, and I imagine that sort of stuff plays very well for the American market, does it? Um, well, hopefully we'll get some listeners in America this week off the strength of that excellent humour. <laughs> Cilla Black, is she big in America? Surely not. Um, Cilla Black's be. big everywhere, mate. She was a phenomenon. She was an actress. Yeah. She was a presenter. She was a singer. If Cilla Black is not famous in your country, your country is pointless. Absolutely That's what right, we learn from this opener. Uh, let's move on to our other, our other man involved tonight. Uh, there's no grits. There is Tom Rennie. And there is, as ever, Gareth Dobson, music mogul, Tottenham talking machine. How are you doing, Gareth? I'm very well. I mean, my, my takes aren't quite as hot as that, so I'm going to have to struggle to keep up. But I'll try, I'll try. Have you heard of Scylla Black? Uh, yeah, of course. You know, I, I have a Laura Laura love for Scylla. 
Beautiful. Oh, look at that. That's a real surprise, stuff. surprise. He got that joke out, I thought. Oh, great. Really, really good stuff. But I am going to have to ask you now to both stop. Um, we'll start with you, Tom Rennie. We're going to talk about the games this weekend. You are a big West Ham fan. Um, first of all, talk me through how you felt about their performance against Newcastle last weekend. Because for me, mm-hmm. that was my favourite game of the weekend. I thought it was great. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's lots that I liked about it. Um the main thing I enjoyed is that I watched it inside the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and I enjoyed immensely watching it in the press room with a bunch of West Ham fan journalists. Uh, I enjoyed that quite a lot. See, these are the we don't get this sort of insight, do we, Gareth? We're sort of stuck on the podcast. We live here in this flat together. We never get out. <laughs> well, um, and you're there swanning, swanning around in, in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with the press, press gang. Beautiful. You know, the thing is as well, right, because of COVID restrictions, they've only just opened the press rooms up again. And I was sitting there. I got in a little bit late. It was like, I got off the train at the second half. Come to watch the second half. Obviously, we're 2-1 down at half time. And I sat down to watch it. And a lovely woman who works there was like, you can't sit here unless you're eating. And I'm thinking, how am I going to span out a meal for 45 to 50 minutes? <laughs> and uh, mm. I don't eat meat as well. I, I've, I've gone vegetarian since the last time we saw each other. And so I literally got well, like a plate Because of, of the last time we saw each other. Yeah, you, you don't look as tasty as you used to. So Thank you. right off, mate. You look too sinewy. I wouldn't eat you at this point. And so I basically made a plate of broccoli and carrots last 50 minutes. Wow. Uh, but the game itself, you know, West Ham, uh, under David Moyes, the Moyesiah, God bless him, they've become, you know, you don't expect this of David Moyes. His best teams with Everton, his best team at West Ham, has got no striker in it. It's got a bunch of makeshift offensive midfielders. You know, there was the Cahill years, the Fellaini years, the Leon Osman years. And for those players, insert now Ben Rama and Bowen and... Antonio, previously Arnautovic. He just has a really good idea of how to get an attacking four or five players, buzzing around, playing good football. And weirdly, everything we thought of David Moyes when he first came in and second came in, thought, oh, it's going to be dismal, this. It's going to be Allardyce again, which was a horrible time for everyone involved. You know, he knows how to coach a very good offensive team. And that's coupled with usually good defensive acumen. So they're a good good team. It's weird. It's weird saying it. It's weird experiencing. uh, And I enjoyed it immensely. And I think more wins to come as this season continues. Yeah, absolutely. I I thought it was a really impressive performance. And I never felt like they were... um, There was no sense of panic once they went a goal down or they went down again 2-1 later on. I never felt like it was out of their hands at all. Um, Gareth, did you watch that game? What did you make of it? And from a Tottenham point of view... Are they a team you're looking at as being a direct rival this season? Well, I mean, I think you absolutely have to, given they they finished above Tottenham last season and and played much better for the majority of the year. Um, I mean, West Ham were really impressive. I'm I'm really excited about this game. It's a really nice way to finish the weekend. They're playing Leicester on Monday night. Um, yeah. Monday night football can sometimes be a bit of a after the Lord Mayor show type situation, but this is one of the best games of you know of the weekend. Um, Definitely. It's. I think the most exciting thing is that it's about the attacking play for me. I mean, Ben Rama, ben Rama who you know had a very sort of quiet season. I think an introductory season for West Ham last year. I mean, you don't want to judge two th- things too early, even though that's our job mm. on this podcast. But he looked fantastic. He he was absolutely brilliant on um, on Sunday. I mean, the one thing I don't expect West Ham to have uh, this weekend is as much of open space to run into. I, I genuinely shocked that Newcastle, a very, you know, sort of fairly retrogressive and stoic team, just seemed to absolutely go for it and think that they were the second coming of Ferguson's Man U. Yeah, it, I, I, I felt in that first half in particular, both, see, both teams seemed to be of the mindset of, well, 
this should be a fun game. Let's let the playmakers of both sides just have as much space mm. as they want. Because San Maximum in that first half was just oh. doing whatever he wanted to do. And, but the, and you, you saw that everywhere, didn't you, with the exuberance of crowds being in. A lot of the first half yeah. were actually brilliant across all the games yeah. last weekend. Because I think the adrenaline was pumping. I went to a couple of games uh, when there was no fans in. And it was just, it was tough. It was really tough. You know, and I did a few games, several games off tube as well, you know, and and it was really difficult at times to get into the game. And that's just like people watching it. If you're there and you're, I don't know, it was mid-table last season, like Villa last season, the final four games, there must have been like, God, There's I could be at home. For. What's the, what and they can't even go on the beach at that point, could they? They were and, stuck in the I country. Mean, the analogy that I have, it, it's, yeah, you're at the pub and suddenly four of your mates walk in and you just get excited. You start acting up and everyone's yes. a bit overexcited, a bit like, hey! And essentially, that's yeah. what the footballers did when the fans yeah. turned up. They walked out the same like, oh my God. You know, let's just go, <laughs> let's, let's go mental. And uh, every yeah, every game was like that. Every yeah. game had a real exuberance in the opening 20, 25 minutes. And with Newcastle, the thing is with Newcastle is that, you know, they're an underfunded, underdeveloped team. And I think Steve Bruce done a reasonable job to keep them out of the fire last season. They also, for so much of the campaign, didn't have Callum Wilson and didn't have that schoolyard nutter, Alan Sol Maximan, in their team as well, <laughs> who I just love. I love him so much. Oh, man. Because he has, you know, he's, I don't want to go all cliche on it, but I do genuinely feel he doesn't care about the score. Like, he doesn't yeah. care about anything that's happening apart from what can I do that's magic here? You know, I love yeah. to watch him. I would pay to watch him. And he was released against West Ham, where he often seems to be fit and firing against West Ham. And he was great. But I think in the second half, that kind of exuberance was shut down by professionalism, which was led by Declan Rice. You know, Declan oh, Rice I, in the I first half looked like say... he was a bit like, oof. I need a couple of weeks off here. Second half, he yeah. was like, hold on a minute. I'm Declan Rice here. Give me the ball. Well, so, Sam Maximum sort of, um, well, he humiliated Rice on that first goal. Nothing wrong with it. Sam Maximum's going to skin all players he comes mm. up against when he's in that sort of form. But the game, weirdly, as, as it grew into the later stages, Declan Rice seemed to take on this sort of superhero power where he was getting stronger and stronger as the minutes went on. And you think, hang on, is this the same Declan Rice that played so many minutes at the Euros? The same guy that's played the same amount of minutes as Harry Kane, more minutes than Harry Kane, and Harry Kane can't even get into training. Yeah. And Declan Rice is there putting in this shift going into the 94th, 95th minute, and he just looked unbelievable. And yeah, you're right, that second half was a little bit more stifling for the likes of Sun Maximum, but I thought it was a really fun game to watch. Um, Gareth, we mentioned Ben Rama a second ago. If you were a West Ham fan, would you be... Would you be keen on getting Lingard back, or do you think that might stifle Ben Rama's season this this time round? That's a really good question. I mean, I, I'm sure West Ham fans will will think that they need at least one more attacker, not least the you know the potential physical frailties of of Antonio at this point in in his career. You know, he's this is his age 31 season, I think, and yeah, you know, he's such an incredibly physical player, and he puts himself about, and he's obviously missed quite a lot of time in the last couple of years. So they have to bring someone in. I mean, Lingard is the obvious one because he's shown how well he played on the boys. But I think your point about players like Arnautovic, who are you know they're odd fish, they're usually strange players. If Moyes can get the best out of you know Arnautovic and uh, and Lingard, then I don't think that. You know, surely, you know, he could potentially speculate on another sort of, you know, uh, strange, strange outcast from the leagues to uh, yeah. to, to reclaim. I mean, yeah. it, it is remarkable what what Moyes has been doing. Um, I think the the thing that's most impressive about West Ham over the last year, but it was you know really highlighted um, 
on Sunday is the incision with which they counterattack. That was the difference between them and, New- and Newcastle. Newcastle, you know, flung themselves forward, overcommitted, whereas you know, Newcastle, uh, West Ham seems to know exactly what to do. They got from point A to point B with incredible you know, precision. That was, you know, I'll use the word again, and use that's going to be, that's gonna be really interesting against Leicester because that, that's yeah. very similar to their MO. I mean, it'll possibly, you know, these two teams might cancel each other out. I was quite interested to see that, you know, he and Iheanacho, uh didn't start. Uh, Eddie came on late for Leicester against Wolves. Possibly that's something to do with you know, how Rogers wanted to set up against um, against Wolves. But, you know, they've got uh, firepower. I'm you know, very interested to see how Daka plays when he comes on. He's obviously yeah, Daka didn't to, get a shot at the weekend, did he? Didn't get he on. didn't get a minute. Um, no. And, you know, he's obviously there to push Vardy, but possibly this is what's going to keep Vardy in the team. You know, Vardy loves, you know, feeling that the world's against him. You know, his his celebration to the Wolves fans when he scored was, you know, high-end shithousery. And that's Absolute why he's shithousery. there for the world. Love so, it. It, it, it's going to be interesting, you know, two two teams who are who are very precise on their on their counterattacks know exactly what to do, and um, you know it, it's in both their teams' DNA now, so it's going to be genuinely intriguing. Uh, Tom, what worries you about playing Leicester on Monday night? Um, what worries me about this game is what worries me about West Ham in general is that they have a really really good team. The squad is nowhere near up to the standard of playing in the Premier League all season. Six Europa League games coming up. The first one's in like three weeks, I think, yeah, three or four weeks from now. So the, Lingard should be there already. It's it's baffling to me he's not been signed already. Why Lingard would want to go back and be Man United's seventh choice attacking midfielder, I don't understand. And, and why they think they can get 25, 30 million for him, I don't understand. It's so well, well, illogical well, 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 we'd be there why, already. Why, why couldn't they get... Because he's got 10 what, what months to run a, his contract What would already. be a fair price, do you think, for Lingard? He's got 10 months to run on his contract and no one's going to pay it for a 28-year-old with 10 months to run on his deal. What you would know, you be happy with? What would you be comfortable with as a price uh, point for West Ham to pay now? I would suggest with a three-year contract, his value would be 20, 25 million pounds. With 10 months on his contract, his value is 10 to 15 million. 10 to 15, yeah. That's, that's, that's what right. I would think would be a reasonable price for him at this point. But frankly, he's not going to play any football. He ain't going to play any and football. And it's such a shame, isn't it? It is, it is a shame because what he did for West Ham last year was fantastic. And, you know, to your point a minute ago to Gareth about is he going to upset Ben Rama's rhythm? It was great in preseason, great against Newcastle. I think he's going to have a good campaign. Certainly started the campaign and will be a massive threat on Monday against Leicester because uh, the way he floats around and, and, and the incision and precision, some would say, of his passing in football at the moment. But I don't think you need to think, you know, as, as we as sort of journalists and people talk about football, all of us are always like, who's in the starting eleven? Stike 11 is dead. Stike 11 is not really... Oh, that, that we don't need to have that conversation ago. now. Exactly. You yeah. know, there's nine people on the bench. They're only allowing three to come on. Within the next 18 months, two years, that will be five. And soon enough, we're going to have probably rolling subs in football. So it's a squad game. When you've got 60 games to play in the season, if West Ham hopefully get past the group stage and get at least the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, for example, you know, which I think they, they're capable of doing, those sorts of things. Quarterfinals of both would be great and the top 10 finish. That, I think, is the, would be the best possible season we could have. Yeah. Um, but if you have that many games, you need more players. And currently, West Ham need a centre-forward. If Antonio goes down, huge trouble. I see he's just, yeah. um, he's just signed up for Jamaica. So he's got so there was some paperwork needs to be done for him to be part okay. of the Jamaican national team. They've got, I think, 10 games to play before the end of this year. And in January, Africa Cup of Nations, they lose Masuaku, they lose Ben Rama. So you, need some, you need some depth, is essentially what we're saying. Five players, you, you, yeah. 
Five players. Five, come five in. players. Okay. Yeah, All right. So. That's, a, that's a big shout. Gareth, before we go to a break, um, talk to me about Leicester and what you thought about them, uh, their performance against Wolves at the weekend. You mentioned Vardy's goal and celebration. Uh, were you impressed with them? Do you see them as being uh, perennial fifth place Leicester or do you think they can actually break into that top four this season? Oh, they can absolutely nail on fifth. Um, <laughs> it's done. I, I, I've written it in my, uh, my wall planner. Um, it's they were good it was a little hard to work them to really assess them because I think that Wolves are essentially a new team you know apart from a couple of the older heads in midfield like Charles Moutinho um, there's a lot of new players in there Um, you know Raul Jimenez is only just coming back from an incredibly serious head injury and we don't know how long it's going to take him to come back to full force but they're going to need him desperately so I mean for Leicester it should be business as usual given that they have managed to keep most of their squad intact. You know, uh, the loss of their their centre back in the preseason Fafana. was Fafana was absolutely brutal. Given he looked like one of the most promising players um, in the league last season, but they've replaced so, him pretty quickly, and that, that's a that's a sign of a club that really has their ear to the ground. They really know what's going on. As soon as that injury happened, I can imagine the scenes at Leicester City's ground would have been right. Get whatever agent on the blower let's have a chat with this person about these three people they've got that could fill that slot I bet by the time everyone went to bed that night the night that Fafana got injured there was three names on a chalkboard somewhere that they knew they could get that was realistically attainable for that club and that shows you how good Leicester are with their recruitment mm. I very much so and you know I think Vestgaard's a, a good player and it's quite interesting because he's a very different player to Fafana you know he is your classic towering rock-like centre back who comes up with big goals as well. You know, his, his goal rate for Southampton was 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 quite impressive from uh you know from defence. And it's it, you know, like you said, I think they're good at identifying good players rather than necessarily slavishly being like, oh, we had that type, so we need to get the lesser yeah. version of the exact same type in again. Um but they're also they, thinking that the Fafana's only out for you know whatever, five or six months. He's not out for the entirety of Vestergaard's three year contract. Mm. So they need to have options for when no, Fafana's he, back, yeah, right? Vestergaard's also there for when Johnny Evans moves on. Uh Soyinchu, I think there's yeah, he's he's fine. He had one good year, he's had one relatively poor year last year, so I think the jury's out on him. So mm. yeah, you know, you need they obviously, you know, want to be competing in the Champions League and on all fronts this year. Uh compete to be in the Champions League and across all fronts while they do it yeah. so they're going to need that depth across the season uh, Final word for you Rennie in this half about Leicester City you've got 10 mm. seconds Jamie Vardy vital without him no fifth <laughs> you said it like you Smashed can speak it. in normal sentences but you've uh, <laughs> you've gone all staccato gotta be precise I, baby gotta I be precise appreciate it precision we're going to call this this show the precision podcast uh, right after the break we'll talk about some more games coming up this weekend Welcome back to the Whistleblowers podcast. Uh, Gareth, you're a Spurs fan. Uh, talk us through your fixture this weekend. Uh, and also, how are you feeling after that result and performance against Man City without your uh, lord and saviour, Charlie Kane? <laughs> a, a vastly false <laughs> sense of hope and optimism. Um, it, In some ways, it's funny. In the, in the same way that I think a lot of people were expecting Brentford to turn over Arsenal, there was definitely the easy narrative where Man City, who have been slow starts to their season occasionally, take on a fired-up Spurs team with a new manager, the fans back in the stadium, and for the third or fourth game in the road at Spurs stadium, you know, Man City have failed to score. So yep. even though 
I guess to the sort of average eye, like, oh, it's a surprise. You know, there were indicators that it could go that way. I mean, whether it's going to be a platform for Spurs to build on, we shall see. I do think that they've got a very good chance uh, this weekend. Obviously, they're playing uh, Nuno's former club, Wolves, who you know are still assembling the team, as we said about in the first half. And Spurs and Wolves always have very, very close games, which I would largely put down to, you know, to the new Spurs manager. So if he's, you know, if he managed to always have a, a fair read on on Spurs, then you would assume he'd be able to do likewise on his old club. Yeah. So yeah. I do think, you know, Spurs, there's a very good chance that they're going to walk away, you know, with six points from the first two games. Whether that's going to, you know, affect their decision-making when it comes to the end of the window is probably the most interesting thing. In a way, the worst thing you can do is, you know, have Levy sit there going, actually, it's all fine. We don't need to go and chase those last two or three players to bolster out the squad. You can make do. I'll sell Kane. We're flying. Son's our new number nine. He's absolutely amazing. And Son is brilliant, but he's going to be a good number nine in certain situations. You know, he's yes. he's not a hold-up player. Um, it's the only thing that's not in his game. But there's going to be, there's going to be a point where you're going to need that. And I think, you know, Spurs will either look to, you know, if they can't keep Kane, if they don't keep Kane, they, they're going to have to bring in a like-minded replacement for certain situations. Yeah, I think you're right, Tom. Um, Spurs against Man City were outstanding on the break, but not many teams are going to play the way Man City played against them, are they? And this game against Wolves might be a real harsh reminder of the sort of variations in play they'll be coming up against this season. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, firstly, to the Man City game. Obviously, I went to the game at the weekend and I thought Tottenham were yeah, absolutely we incredible. Yeah, we know, mate. We know. You're but so I just thought, yeah, it's worth saying that they were incredible. They were they were so, so good. Jafet Tenganga just bullied Raheem Sterling and in the, certainly in the second half, Jack Grealish out the game until Tenganga was withdrawn. Um, I thought Skip in midfield was great. He, he was really, really good. His passing was good. He was a bit wobbly in the first 10, but uh, him and Hoybier in the midfield look like a good pairing. You oh, know, I'm glad that superb. I'm glad the likes of Ndombele are getting bombed out. You know, he's not, he hasn't got the physicality to play in the Premier League. You know, some players, he's like a Jack Wilshere sort of player. You know, probably be good in uh, League de. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm not too sure about the Premier League. He probably well, I mean, he's, he's an amazing football or something. He's an amazing footballer. He's an amazing footballer. He's, he's, mm. he's a great technician, great to watch. Mm. But if he's only doing it for 20 minutes every three games, who cares? I don't know about any of that. I think he's a pretty average footballer that they paid massively over the odds for. No, he does mad stuff, Tom. Come on, I he do does have some stuff concerns. on the ball that looks incredible. Uh, not for me, Paul. Not for me. He, uh, <laughs> I think Spurs have got a lot better in that midfield already. I was pleased to see Deli Alley get for a shift as well because I love Deli Alley and, and the way he was treated by Mourinho and the way he obviously had such a crisis of confidence because of what uh, the idiot one did to him. I, I think that, you know, it wasn't vintage Deli Alley. I don't think he's anywhere near the player he was previously. But it was, but it was grafting performance. Him. Yes, exactly right. It's a great word. It was a, it was a really grafting, gritty, get stuck in, non-stop effort performance. And he's got to reinvent himself as a player, right? At this point, we don't know what he is yeah. now. Uh, and the front three, I, I thought, worked fantastically well. I know Kane's not going to play in the Thursday game. I wouldn't bring Kane back for this. I wouldn't even consider Harry Kane until all this nonsense is over with him. Uh, and I thought Bergwijn, Son and Mora linked up really well. Uh, I think Gareth makes a great point that Son's not a hold-up player. Um, but I would say that I think that there are teams out there right now that aren't necessarily knocking out to someone to hold it up and bring other players in. Yeah, Those yeah. three work in tandem, don't they? What's three? Tandem's two. Anyway, they work together. Trio. Three, yeah, let's go with that. They work as a trident uh, brilliantly well, and I really enjoyed watching them play. So look, a lot of positives about Tottenham, but as you say, 
Um, other teams are going to play like Man City do. I'm fascinated to watch Wolves. I didn't get a chance to watch that game in great detail at the weekend. Um, and Bruno Large, the manager, what a shame he's not Bruno Lager. What a shame for all of us. There was something uh, he, in for us. He may as well be. Come on. Yeah, let's go we with can it. can change it. That's just how I pronounce it, mate. If they're not selling it, Bruno, Bruno Lager. Lager in the concession stands and bars <laughs> of Wolverhampton this weekend, what a waste of, of opportunity. But at least you get, you get the t-shirts having it large. You can still have yes, that, can't you? That's good. That's a good point. You're wasted on this podcast. Get into marketing. No. That's how you pay your rent, mate. Um, so I'm fascinated to see him. Look, I, I would make Spurs slight favourites on quality of player alone. But first home game... Pac Molyneux, one of the best stadiums in the top flight of English football. The return of Nuno, who weirdly, I think, is remembered fondly. A couple of my friends are Wolves fans. Remembered fondly, but no one's unhappy to have seen him go. Mm. So it'll yeah, be a warm yeah. ovation, not a, you know, a, not not a huge TV homecoming is it? ovation. Yeah, so interesting yeah. game. I'd make Spurs slight favourites in terms of quality of player. But if okay. Wolves are able to win this game... We're going to learn a lot about this team offensively that we didn't really learn last week in a pretty poor game against Leicester, by all accounts. Uh, Gareth, I watched the Wolves game uh, last week and I thought Trincao on his debut looked, looked like he'd had some really nice touches. Could be something quite special there. Uh, we know what Traore's like. You're hot and cold, but when he's good, he's very good. Um, Neto to come back still. Um, and Daniel Podence. In, in, in terms of those four players as, as attacking wide men, and occasionally central. They've got some real attacking ability, but is it going to be a case again of just a negative overall game plan? Uh, I suspect so. I mean, you assume they're going to look to initially stifle, stifle Spurs. I mean, the the issue of Neto is he's out long term. He's he's not coming back for some yeah. time, and he's you know, I'd say he's you know, at least their second equal best attacker behind him and as who you know I think could be a while return to his peak. Um, so it's. I think, you know, it's going to take time for all these players to bed in and, you know, an embarrassment of Rich, I'm not sure you call it embarrassment of Richmond, but a lot of options can sometimes belie the fact that you don't know what your best um, trio is, your, your your best attacking lineup. And, you know, I'm guessing they're probably going to cycle for a few different options. Don't forget they have the inordinately expensive young Portuguese Fabio Silva, who, you know, I, I think the, the alarm bells are already ringing based on how he did last year and the fact that Trincao is immediately in ahead of him is is, is quite yeah. telling. Um, you know, Moutinho is, yes, João Moutinho is, you know, a brilliant player. He's quite long in the tooth now. Um, he's one of those players that I still would be quite interested in Spurs putting a cheeky bid for because they need that sort of keep it ticking ball player. Um, I assume he's still got one more season under his book. So keep an eye out for that. Definitely not happening. And I, I'd just like to quickly address the uh, the 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 Indomble thing. I mean, it, I think both of your points are correct, but he's he is on his day a fantastic player. Yeah, he he's the pound shot Pogba in every sense. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, but Rennie, you're not a fan of Pogba either, are you? No, look, I, I can't wow. believe you're dragging me into another... Very own Graham Sooness is don't drag me into another now. Pogba debate. Look, my <laughs> thought, now you've said it, just for those that aren't aware of this long... Uh, we've right. had this discussion on loads of shows. However, the thing is with Pogba is that we think because of his value and reputation, he is in the Kevin De Bruyne 1-10 to 10 best players in the world. He is not. 
because of his reputation and personality and all that you think he is, but he is and what he is, is in that window of maybe 20th to 40th. Best players currently playing in European football. That's good. That's it's really a pretty high good. level, yeah. But it is yeah. not Kevin De Bruyne. And if you're, you, you know, you can't even compare those two. One of them is an incredible world-class winning talent. And one of them is, yeah, pretty good. Okay. That's well, I mean, to say he's pretty good is, is, is mad. I'm not going to have this debate with you again. As you've said, we've done it plenty of times. Uh, I mean, another day, and it will come. No, no, no doubt. don't want to do it again. And obviously, one, one, one of those two has, has won the World Cup and uh, yeah. many other trinkets. Very, very good for France. Very, very good. Absolutely. But one of them is a world-class player. One of them is very good. One of them has a very high ceiling, but doesn't often reach it. I think that's fair as well. And that's yeah. Pogba, by the way. Consistency uh, okay, is important. Consistency is very, very important, isn't it? Like I said about Ndombele, what's the point in being fantastic for a few minutes a game? It doesn't matter. Yeah. You need to be... Uh, consistency is a big part of it. He was good against Messi Wolves Ronaldo. last year, I think, Ndombele, in that one where you went in the lead in like the first minute and then tried to defend from the first minute all the way through the game. I think he was good in that one. That sounds went, unlike us yeah, on Mourinho. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, what probably is the biggest game of the weekend, Arsenal-Chelsea. Uh, it's at the Emirates. Um, Arsenal were abject on Friday night against newly promoted Brentford. Uh, Chelsea cruised, and I do mean that. They absolutely cruised to a 3-0 win and looked like they might have one of the strongest squads in the league, definitely in the top two. Um, we'll start with you, Tom. Um, what do you think about... Uh, oh, sorry, Gareth, you're, you've got your hand up saying no. Well, I just Is it the biggest game? Is it really the, one of the biggest games of the weekend? Well, what do you think is bigger? Well, you know, if Chelsea were playing a good team, possibly. Yeah. Um, I mean, Arsenal okay. are, are likely to finish start the season with with no points from the first three games. They've got Man City next. Um, they desperately needed something from Brentford because I think by the time we get to September, it's going to be, you know, absolutely world-opening Hades coming up in terms of, you know, Arsenal fan TV. Right? Heads are going to explode. Like, it's, it's not going <laughs> to... I don't think it's going to go well. Um, it's the biggest game of the weekend. Look, I, I know Arsenal are rubbish at the minute. I know that. I know Chelsea are going to win this game. Sky agree with me. They got it on their their prestigious four. Well, it used to be four o'clock slot. Now four thirty, which I'm furious about for other reasons. It's, it's going to be an utterly disinteresting. You know, <laughs> yes, but it's the biggest game of the weekend, and I would die on this hill. It is the biggest game of this weekend. It's the I, two I, most. Of the teams playing each other, the most prestigious of the clubs. Leeds, Everton, yeah, back in the day. But you're the sort of person who probably thinks a royal wedding's still a big deal. It's not a big deal. The world <laughs> I've been saluting every day since that royal wedding, and I will never stop. I, you know, I, it's, I, I know it, it feels like a contrary position or position of Spurs fan, but I think, okay, I understand what you're saying. These are two huge clubs with huge history and you know, relatively recent success for Arsenal. They keep winning uh, trophies, a lot yeah, more yeah. than most other clubs, but... If you want a huge game where you don't know what the result's going to be and you think mm. it'll be two evenly matched exciting teams, then I would say look elsewhere. Well, where? Tell me, tell me where then. Look, I don't. I think you are right. Right, you know, you are right. Look, let this, we're going down another one of those Pogba routes here. I feel like you used to have had this debate before uh, as to whether <laughs> Arsenal are any good or not. Look, no, I'm not. There's no debate there. Look, with with Arsenal, right? Uh, I was doing the game Friday against Brentford. Did the commentary of the game, and we, we were doing. I was with Richard Lee. We played for Brentford. And before the game, he was like, "We're going to win this." 
I'm not even worried. We're going to win this. And I listened to a couple of Brentford podcasts. And they were like, yeah, I expect us to win. Eight out of ten chance of winning. Everyone felt they were going to win. And like everybody, a lot of we all know loads of Arsenal fans. They've all got a second team because, you know, Arsenal fans. <laughs> and most of them support Brentford as well for whatever reason, right? Uh, so a few people I know that went to the because game. They weren't a threat. support both. Well, exactly. Exactly right. Uh, oh, I've got a little second team in Brentford. You know, blah, blah, blah. Pitiful. Um, only support one team. That's how it works. Anyway. I thought that when Arteta first came in, I thought he actually did a really good job in terms of closing up that team, making them a defensive solid unit. Going back whenever 18 months or whatever it was when he first came in, he did a real good job. It was bringing them results. That is no longer bringing them results, whatever he was doing, however he was coaching them, whatever that plan was. And there doesn't seem to be a secondary idea that Miko Arteta has. His, his idea seems to be, let's be solid, let's keep it tight, let's nick a goal, and then we'll see where we go from there. You know, he has learned nothing off working from, with Pep Guardiola, apart from how to look good on the sideline. He learned most of the good thing he's done in coaching from working with David Moyes for the years and years that he worked with him. And that has now left him. And you go into that game against Brentford and, you know, why Ben White has gotten there, I don't understand. Why they wanted him, I don't understand. Callum Chambers right back last season made no sense sense following that through. Uh, This campaign is odd. Uh, They've bombed out Bayerin for whatever reason. Not a big fan of him, but at least he's a right back. Granit Xhaka was getting bombed out the club and now he's captaining him again. Kieran Tierney, you know, he's better than Arsenal. He's better than mid-table Arsenal. The reason he's there is he can only play 25 games a year. Smith Rowe at number 10 doesn't make any sense. Nicola Pepe is a joke of a footballer. Like when the ball isn't rolling, great. Unfortunately, the ball moves in football, so he's in yeah. big, big trouble. Martinelli on the wing, but Balogun up front. None of it made sense on Friday. Not one element. The basic organization wasn't there. The offensive strategy wasn't there. The defensive mm-hmm. organization wasn't there. And look, Brentford were knocking in long throws from Ethan Pinnock in the first half, right? And then they brought on the, the guy who did the throw for the, the second goal. Was it Sorensen came on yeah. with a bigger throw? So they were already like, okay, the, the throw is obviously a thing here, guys. At halftime, let's have a chat about this. And when they get didn't do anything, they were like, get another geezer on. You know, his in-game management is poor. His pre-game management is poor. And, you know, Lacazette and Obama Yang, I assume it's a COVID issue, which is why they weren't there last week. He said he was ill and I can't speak about it anymore, which means they're probably missing again this weekend. Um, depending on when the positive test was and the isolation, if they're actually ill and all that sort of stuff, variables that we just aren't going to know. But would a Bamiyang last week have improved their performance against Brentford? For me, the answer is no. 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 So, he's not, he's, no. What's you're happening right. there? What's happening there? I completely agree with you. And yet here we are uh, with Arsenal being part of the biggest game of the weekend, officially. Arsenal won, Chelsea nil, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. You wouldn't put it past them. I mean, Arsenal have come up with these sort of freakish results in the not so. Uh, distant past. Um, Gareth, have you got Chelsea locked on for this one? Uh, I do very much so. I mean, they they just gently meandered their way through Crystal Palace with, with no real bother uh, at the weekend. They looked very impressive. And that was after, you know, a very competitive midweek game against Villarreal. So, you know, there's a lot to be said there. You know, they showed the depths of their squad by bringing essentially an unheard of midfielder who, who looked very good and scored a wonderful goal. Um, you know, I, I would expect them to, to you know, dutifully put Arsenal away without too much trouble. What I will say is um, I did just look at the fixtures properly and um, it's definitely the most marquee game of the weekend. It's the second most exciting game of the weekend behind Leicester West Ham, which is a I didn't, far yeah, more yes, exciting I, I, I didn't say exciting. I said biggest. And, there, there, uh, I, I accept there. your apology. 
Well, and I would also, <laughs> if we're backtracking, I would also like to massively backtrack on my predictions that Southampton were not going to be terrible this year. They're going to be awful. <laughs> Tom, uh, I don't know if you heard last week's episode, Tom, but Gareth had Southampton to uh, pull up a few trees and finish mm. top eight this season. Yeah. No. yeah. Um, I have them finishing in the bottom three, going before last oh, weekend, you? and I'll stick with that now. Uh, because wow. they've got massive financial problems. You know, we spoke about Yannick Vestergaard earlier on. As much as Leicester, I'm sure, had a short list of players to bring in, the answer is always, go to Southampton. They will sell. Yeah, they'll right? always and, sell. And that's been true for a long, long time. It remains true now. They have owners who don't care about the club. You don't hear enough about that because, you know, West Ham take a lot of headlines and Newcastle take a lot of headlines and Arsenal take a lot of headlines, blah, blah, blah. But Southampton have got massive financial issues. They had recent investment but currently they are not able to buy players. They can't afford a Premier League squad. They've had massive you know, issues with COVID as everybody has. But you look at that team and firstly, who's going to score the goals? I like Jay Adams. He scored 20 goals in the championship. I next, like Adam you know? Armstrong as well, but we don't know what he's like at this level. I like nice absolutely on Saturday. good goal last week, but he's a good championship striker. He would have to take an unexpected step up for him to cover that massive Danny Ings loss who carried them last season all the way through. Romeo is a thug in midfield. He's not a Premier League quality player. He, he's basically should be playing with John Fashioner and Kenny Cunningham in the Wimbledon of 1995. Like he's a waste of time in midfield. Can't pass the to save his life. You know, you're basically trying to get free kicks and war prowess on them. That's the strategy. Yeah. If and, he stays, I mean, there's another one whose who's, who's future's not Well, he should get, he should get out of there. Sorted. I mean, he's played every yeah. game for Southampton. I don't know about this weekend, just gone, but he played every game for two seasons, every minute of every game. Phenomenal player, brilliant yeah. set-piece, deliverer. But there's so many issues there at that club, and I think they've been soaking the plug on for a couple of years, to be honest, yeah. the way they played. And, and Ings brought them up a level. I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think, Me Gareth, too. you've humiliated yourself from last week's... Uh, Massively. I take it comments. Delete last we're, week's we are... episode. Delete it now. Just put <laughs> this in it. its place. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm actually quite happy with that. Let's, let's just pretend that Grits doesn't exist in a moment of revisionism from the Whistleblowers podcast. <laughs> Martin Gritton is no longer. Who? Uh, if you just tuned in, sorry, he's not dead. Um, he's just no. a, a, bit, a bit of humour from us. Uh, we're running out of time, so let's quickly just rattle through the all three promoted teams and their performance from last week and their games this weekend. You mentioned Brentford there against Arsenal. They were fantastic. This weekend against Crystal Palace away. Gareth, do you see them continuing this fine form? Oh, very potentially. Um, I think last very year... Very potentially. Very potentially. Last year... Oh, they halfway through there, didn't they? The sort <laughs> of theme that... Um, uh, Absolutely, maybe. <laughs> quite possibly, potentially, perhaps. Um, <laughs> last year, that sort of team that Roy Hodgson would have probably dealt with quite reasonably. Um, this year we have to wait and see what sort of team that Vieira's put together. It's very unfair to judge Palace on a game against Chelsea, who seem to be hitting form already, but it's going to be fascinating that this, you know, in theory, this more free-flowing attacking Crystal Palace and what they do, like you said, when uh, when they get moneyballed on their ass. Yeah, let's see what happens. Um, Watford away at Brighton. Watford with a fantastic start to their season, Tom. Yeah, they were great. It was a fantastic game of football, actually, and a weekend of great games of football. Um, I think of the three teams that have come up, even despite Brentford's brilliant performance at the weekend against Arsenal just gone, I, I quite like Watford's chances of staying up of the three teams. I think Norwich, okay. of course, are going to get relegated because they, they plan for that in advance. Uh, but I think Watford seemed to be like the most fully rounded of the starting 11s. I like the centre-half pairing that they have. I think Atebo in centre midfield was brilliant the weekend. Uh, Kuchka was good. Ken Semmer has got better from a year in the championship. Ismail Asar. He's been linked with being a Liverpool player, player, wasn't he, last season? I like him. And Dennis up front. Like, this is not going to be a Troy Deeney year. And that's good for Watford. You know, Mm -hmm. every time they've, they've been up, 
They've been relying on Troy Deeney to just kind of like bastard his way through and get mm. them a victory. And that isn't going to happen now. Dennis looked quite good. He looked lively. They looked like they've got really a front good. move around with a striker. I like Watford. He had a, he had a nice relationship as well he had with uh, with Sarah and a few others. Um, yeah. yeah, I like Watford as well. I actually don't have them staying up, but um, I could easily change my mind like Gareth did a minute ago. So let's just do that. <laughs> we'll delete um, this episode later. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, you go on our page. There's just one episode. It's the most recent one. And that's it. Every week. Uh, Norwich away at Man City. Keep this brief, uh, Gareth. Uh, return to form for Manchester City. Yeah, all right, fine. That's easy. Uh, last word then we'll, we'll save for Man United, who I thought were very good against Leeds. Uh, what went wrong for Leeds, Tom? Come against Paul Pogba, didn't they? Can't beat Pogba. <laughs> too good. Oh, that's it. Well, United have got Southampton, who are obviously going down with zero points this season. Uh, Leeds, meanwhile... I heard that on last week's show, yeah. Yeah, Leeds, meanwhile, home to Everton in what would have been the biggest game of the weekend 30 or 40 years ago, but no longer. Uh, right, we've got to go. That's all we've got time for. Uh, before we go, though, uh, I've got to ask you, Gareth. Harry Kane, two questions. First of all, what do you think is going to happen and what do you hope will happen over the next couple of weeks? Uh, I think that whatever happens, it's going to go down to the last couple of days of the transfer window. That's just the way that Levy plays it, uh, wrongly or wrongly. Um, I suspect he will eventually go. Um, at this point, I think it actually makes most sense for all clubs in, and the player involved. I, I'm not sure that hanging on to him for another year when Spurs are not a year away from being somewhere is going to help. They may as well... Now I'll take the money and reinvest, and I love Harry Kane. And this isn't a revisionist thing where I'm like, "All right, it was never any good." He's absolutely brilliant. He's the best player we've had since God knows when. But there comes a point where you look at the fit of where the player is and where the club is, and you say, "Maybe it's time to cash in your chips." So the things that you want to happen and what you think will happen are the same things. Yes, I think okay, cool. in in some ways the worst thing that could happen now is that he stays for another year, has a an uneventful or maybe poor year and goes for half the price a year later. And misses three months with an ankle injury. Yeah, and that's not going to help City either. (laughs) No, that's right. Uh, Tom, and the the biggest question I'm going to say for you at the end of Mm. here, you're you're a a guest on the show for the first time. Mm. Much appreciated being on here in lieu of Martin Gritton swallowing off the derby. So the biggest questions for you, uh, will Charlie Kane be Harry Kane's agent uh, by the start of the season? (laughs) Um... I think that everybody in the Kane family is not going to spend Christmas together for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> on, on the Kane question, I think it's, you know, you could set, you could tell at the weekend that Tottenham fans are moving on from Harry Kane. You can tell from the weekend just gone, the Tottenham's team are moving on from Harry Kane. My view is it's Hung Min Son's team at this point and Harry mm-hmm. Kane just used to play there. Um, yeah. And I think Daniel Levy is, is, is stage managed this reasonably well if he does get Kane out. Because if he let Kane go a month ago, you know, I think they would have burned the place down. Now, I think everyone has come to the assessment that, yeah, okay, and Jake's all around, 150 mil. Now, the sovereign wealth must be released. Otherwise, it's going to be a horrible, horrible time, as Gareth was saying, for Harry Kane. I hope he goes at this point. I hope he goes. I hope Spurs get top, 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 top money for him and they buy 100 million pound striker and build the team around Hongminson. Yeah, that would be yeah. the best joke in the world if they Bring spent Paulinho all the money from Kane on, on Eric Lamella. I love Eric Lamella. Right. I, I do as well. Home. Look, I, I like him as well. I don't love him. I like him. Uh, right, we've He's got no to go. Pogba, is he? Let's face it. He's no Pogba. Tom Rennie, thank you very much for joining us today. Gareth, as always, thanks for being here. Uh, we'll be back same time, same place next week here on the Whistleblowers podcast. Until then, from me, Tom and Gareth, goodbye. Bye. Bye. 
This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.